it's almost like before, not that I can really speak to it because I've never existed in a time without social media in this state, but you know, we see certain authors go viral and their books become New York Times bestsellers. And it is, you know, truly one in a million. But from an author perspective, there is a lot of pressure to be that author, even though really that's not our job. Our job is to write the books, you know, but it's hard to kind of get out of that mindset that it's all on you. And if the book doesn't perform well, that's your fault. And it's not. It's a team thing and you know, a lot of it a lot of it my friends like to remind me that like the things that usually move the needle are the things publishers do. And for authors to move the needle, it really does take like a one in a million thing. Hello and welcome to All of the Above. I'm James Brown. Thanks for listening. You can check out my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com or you can find me anywhere online at jamesbrowntv. That's Instagram. That's the artist formerly known as Twitter. That's Facebook and just about anything you can think of. This is part two of a conversation I had with Mackenzie Reed. She just published her first book that's out on Halloween. It's called The Rosewood Hunt. It's a YA novel. In this part of the conversation, we went deep on what it takes to publish a book today. I had a blast talking to Mackenzie, and I think you'll enjoy it too. And now, part two of my conversation with Mackenzie Reed. How do you support yourself? I do still have a day job. I work remotely, actually. Um, so I did get a job out of college and I started part time. And again, so that was really helpful to um, get to write. I also worked at Starbucks during the pandemic in a Target. So I got a lot of and I worked with a girl who was 17 there. And that was really helpful, too, because then I was literally with a young adult reader. And we got to talk about books all the time. So that was really fantastic. And now, like I said, I work remotely for a company based out of um, California. And I do editing with them, which is nice because I think if I was doing writing, I would get a little bit burnt out between the two. But I feel like they're just different enough where I'm okay most days. Yeah, uh, I... I, I tend to concur with you i um i like my first job out of school was doing uh tv news writing and i was behind the scenes as a as a producer and Mm -hmm. it made writing at home basically impossible and that all that news writing stuff just seeped right into it and and so i I, I I I think you should definitely keep it those worlds separate. Yeah, I definitely try. And even I see it on the days when I do have to do a little more writing with work. And work is more real estate focused, which is nice. Totally different. But, you know, it is it's almost just a brain thing, you know, you can't keep dishing out the same my two brain cells can't keep going forever and they need a break from all the words sometimes. I, I, it may seem like a detour, but you said it. It's so interesting. Help me understand. Paint a picture for me. 
What's it like working at Starbucks during a pandemic? It was a time. It was very, we were behind the plastic shields. And um, it was my first time ever doing a barista job. And my first job was actually at Seabreeze. So I was familiar with guests and, you know, working with people. But it was very, it was kind of lonesome some days because we weren't allowed to have more than like two or three people at a time for a bit. And the masks, of course, which I, you know, very pro that, but having it on for so long, you would kind of go in the back to take a breather because it would get hot in there. Sure. But it was, it was also really fun though. I'm glad I worked during that time because I was really fortunate that I was able to. I know not everybody was, but it just kind of got me out of the house, which I think I really needed. And I was still in a very pretty safe place being kind of blocked off from everybody. I learned a lot about being a barista. And when you're a barista, you meet so many people. And I think I would kind of get in my head and create these like elaborate storylines for people who are probably just like stopping for a cup of coffee. But in my mind, I'm like making them into a main character. How were the customers? Honestly, mostly very nice. They, I think it's like any service job, you know, there were people who would get upset if you don't make it a certain way. It was also the difficult part is this was also during the big rise of TikTok. And at the time, TikTok drinks were huge. So we would have people who would just like shove their phone in our face and be like, watch this TikTok and make this drink. <laughs> And I'd be like, there's a line of 20 people. Perhaps you could just tell me what you want in your drink. So I don't need to watch this video. <laughs> but it was okay. You know, it's okay. <laughs> it's a test for sure. I, I, I can't imagine doing this. Maybe, maybe I'm just too old. <laughs> All right. So, hey, I saw this thing on social media. Make this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't even like I saw this thing. It would be like, watch this thing. Wow. Like, they would want us to watch the video for them. And some of them we got so good at, like, we would remember and we'd be like, oh, that's the unicorn drink. And, you know, you go make it. But, yeah, some of them are quite <laughs> intense. I'm envisioning this. You have this uh, plastic shield up. And mm -hmm. someone's rolling up on a plastic shield with a TikTok video saying, watch this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they would try to, like, hand it to us under the money thing. And we'd have to be like, I can't touch your phone. Like, I can't. Um, yeah, it was a whole thing. <laughs> and I love TikTok. But during that time, I, was, I wasn't as big a fan for sure. <laughs> and and uh, do you remember what was in the unicorn drink? Oh my gosh, it's been, Too I long? don't, I, I know it was like white mocha, you, cause you had to get the colors. So anything purple or pink was usually the like dried dragon fruit. Cause that's what made like the purple drink. And then like you needed green. So you had to put matcha in it. So I do remember it was like dragon matcha, some sort of liquid, probably coconut milk. And then it was always like a frappuccino. So the ice. Yeah, I have nightmares about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's to to pivot to social media for a bit. You have a pretty large presence. 
I'm trying. <laughs> it's definitely taken a while to build it up. I, but I'm really grateful for it. It's we're just having fun. How has it informed your work, if at all? I think it's shown me. It's gotten me to be much. I don't know if I'd say better. I guess we'll see how the book sells. But I feel like it's taught me a lot as far as pitching my books. Because as a writer, I am very long-winded usually. And I've probably been, you know, rambly and whatever. But with these videos, you it started with just like one-minute videos. Now you can do three and talk a little longer. But you really kind of have to get good at keeping people's attention. And, you know, now I can pitch my book and I can just say like, it's about a crew of teens who need to find a missing fortune. But while they're hunting it down, someone starts hunting them. And there's the pitch. And, you know, I'm not sure I would have gotten it that quickly if I wasn't repeating it in all my videos. So it's definitely been interesting in that regard and really fun to find a community on there, too. Because my first community was Twitter, but I feel like a lot of people have shifted away from Twitter. So I've really enjoyed being on a new app and finding, you know, writers and readers. It's interesting. Uh, the well, first of all, you're not alone. I'm a writer, also. We're all long winded. We love us some us. <laughs> and it's interesting that you, you you're learning uh, essentially log lines. You're you're sort of how yeah. to how to shortly uh, tell your stories. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 that kind of segues into something that I wanted to ask you in that you're, you're, you're a professional communicator. Obviously you have a communications degree. Uh, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're editing for a living. You did customer service, which is communicating and, and, yeah. and you're a novelist. You're on your second published novel. Yeah. Getting there. <laughs> So the core of what you do is communicating. How'd you develop your style? That's such a good question. (laughs) I think I've always really just valued people who you feel like you're having a conversation with and who you kind of feel like is a friend. And, you know, I think, and I think that's a huge part of TikTok and how people really gain a following is you have people who are genuinely like invested in you and as an author I want people invested in my book but I also realize that I might write a book and you might not love it and that's okay but I would still like you to be like invested in in me too so that hopefully you'll read my next book and maybe it will be your type of thing so I think when I started Oh, I just knew I wanted to be, you know, very transparent. I talk about publishing industry, talk a lot about what it's like being a debut author now. Um, Very transparent about failure because, you know, some of us, it takes us six books, whatever. (laughs) It's okay. And positive. I try to keep my communications positive, even when things are, you know, not going my way or whatever. There's, it's like any industry, there are hardships in it. But I think that was kind of always the grounds I wanted to start with. And then I just kind of built and built on that till I've thankfully gotten into a groove and thankfully grown. When you look around the internet, 
and the world at large. How are we with communication? Are we communicating well with each other? I I get very disheartened sometimes because I feel like we don't always listen to each other. Or I think, you know, I think we see it. I see it a lot in comment sections, you know. Someone will say something in the video and someone just completely takes like something from that and goes off on like a different tangent and then people attack that person for probably just having a bad day. And like, you know, I I just don't love seeing the something we've been talking about at work is like always assume positive intent. And obviously there are a lot of situations in the world where you know the positive intent isn't there. But at least on a smaller scale of online and, you know, the type of things I see even within the writing community, I just feel like sometimes it's, you know, you have to step back. And there's a funny saying right now that's like, go touch some grass. Mm -hmm. And I truly think there's merit to it. Like sometimes you have to step away from the screen and just be like, hey, it's not that deep. This is a stranger on the internet. And maybe they're having a bad day, but maybe I'm having a bad day. And maybe if I just disconnect, you know, it'll kind of let it fizzle. And I kind of wish that happened more because I think sometimes we see people that, you know, get piled on and, you know, maybe some deserve it. But I do think a lot of people don't. And, you know, there are just kind of these trains that, people can hop on and I wish that didn't happen. I think that's kind of the less nice side of social media. I'd say it's pretty easy to be negative when you're anonymous. Oh yeah, definitely. And when you think they can't see you, like I am so shocked at authors, you know, we're not supposed to read our reviews or respond to reviews. And I very much appreciate that, that like reviews are for readers. But also you'd be surprised at how many people will like add you in a negative review or, you know, it's almost like they want you to see it. And it's like, I don't know if you just think, you know, that I'm like not a real person <laughs> or if you think, you know, again, because your avatar isn't a profile picture, it's just a random picture that you can be like this and be a little bit negative. But yes, big yes to that. We've talked a lot about rejections and failure in different ways over this hour. <laughs> What's your advice to those who are going through it? How'd you get through it? Uh, I always like to say, be a little bit delusional, <laughs> which just means, I think, I just always used to look at publishing and honestly, kind of any dream as like, someone else is doing this, you know, why, why shouldn't I be able to do? And of course, there are lots of reasons why, and, you know, a lot of things you don't see behind the scenes are like people bring certain privileges to the table or, you know, it could literally be a sign of the times and times being different. Like I know right now people have been saying querying is a lot harder because agents have been especially inundated. Um, 
So, you know, there's things you have to consider, but I think the delusional aspect is just, I've always had this thought of, you know, if I work hard, I'm a big believer in getting there eventually and that it's like not, you know, it's, what's that saying? That's like, it's not a blink, it's a marathon. And I think publishing is a hundred percent like that. I think that if you just keep writing books, like you will get there eventually. But the minute you stop writing books, that's how you know you're never going to get there because you won't have any more books to submit. So even without books, whatever thing you're into, if you keep doing it, it's okay to take breaks. It's okay to take, you know, little mental health walks, days, weeks, months, whatever you need. But if it's something you really love, I think you should keep going at it because I do think it will eventually happen. I believe in you. You should believe in yourself too. Oh. <laughs> well, you mentioned kind of the state of your industry, the fact that that, you know, there's a agents are being inundated with uh mm-hmm. potential authors. Does that put any additional pressure to sell books on you? Oh yes. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, not to go back to social media, but I think social media does too, because it's almost like before, not that I can really speak to it because I've never existed in a time without social media in this state, but, you know, we see certain authors go viral and their books become New York Times bestsellers and it is, you know, truly one in a million. But from an author perspective, there is a lot of pressure to be that author even though really that's not our job. Our job is to write the books, you know, but it's hard to kind of get out of that mindset that it's all on you. And if the book doesn't perform well, that's your fault. And it's not, it's a team thing. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it, my friends like to remind me that like the things that usually move the needle are the things publishers do. And for authors to move the needle, it really does take like a one in a million thing. Like, you know, growing your TikTok presence and hitting the algorithm just right. And, you know, that type of thing, which I still do it because I have hope that even if I'm not getting viral video after viral video, I'm building a community. I'm, I've certainly had people tell me like, oh, we're so excited for your blog. I'm pre-ordering. And to me, like everyone tells So it doesn't totally matter that it's not going viral for me, but, you know, some people I think measure success in the bigger scales. Do you, well, uh, before I go there, let's talk about TikTok a bit more (laughs) and hitting that algorithm just right. It seems like, obviously you're, you're not from that previous era, Perhaps you've spoken with authors from that previous era. That seems like a bunch of additional pressure. I mean, you you spoke about, you know, being sort of like doing your own marketing. I'm sure authors of a different time did as well. Is that sort of just baked into your day-to-day existence that, hey, I got to keep my social media up. I got to keep it popping. Because if I keep it popping, eventually I'm going to get 
a hit and that hit could turn into money and it could turn into books sold. Yeah, I I think the first part is more true than the last. Okay. I don't so much keep it going because I think it's going to, you know, take off or anything. I don't, I'm not that delusional, <laughs> but I can keep it going because I like the idea of a consistent presence. I think it does pay off and maybe that's my, you know, communications, marketing background talking. But I think I do approach it from more of a business mindset where I know it's good to be active but i also know i can be active and it's something i'm comfortable with i think there are a lot of people who aren't comfortable with that and then they feel forced into it and i think if you feel that way it's not going to pay off because you're not enjoying it i think people will be able to tell you're not enjoying it and you know i just think it will be really hard for everyone so i'm a big advocate of you know, being present on social media, but only if you want to and only and without expecting too big of a payoff. Because I think if you're constantly chasing, you know, views or getting viral, you're going to get discouraged really quickly. And I do sometimes anyway. I say I don't chase it, but you know, of course you kind of do, especially if you get one video that does pretty well. You just kind of want to chase that like high. Um, but at the end of the day, I still just do it because I like it. And I like talking about my book. And I like the idea that, like, I am kind of, like, hand sell it. But, you know, some people hate that idea. And that's totally okay because, again, it's not supposed to be your job. What would it take for you to be a full-time author? I ask myself that question a lot, actually. I think... I would need to, so they recommend that you have a few books lined up on contract. And right now I'm with, you know, HarperCollins. I really enjoying my time there. I really like my editor. Um, but this is like my first book contract. So I kind of feel like I'd want to make sure, you know, that I have more books in the pipeline before and that they'd have you know a decent advance that would rival a salary what's hard about publishing um traditional publishing at least you get paid very strangely <laughs> it's not like a salary check it's in these like chunks the first one is amazing because that's your advance usually if your publisher works that way again everything is different too so it's very you know dependent on publishers and imprints but yeah so I think it would take me a really long time to get used to not having like a normal like bi-weekly paycheck because I personally really depend on that. And also being in the U.S., not having health care, that's a huge side of it as well. And I'm, you know, not married or anything. So, yeah, I think I'd have to have a health care and also have several books in the pipeline and hopefully like a track record that shows they can sell. So I'm not expecting anytime soon. That seems like a tough way to live, but being so close to your dream, but not quite there. It is. And also, I think it's what I love most about writing and the stream is that you can do it on the side. And I think, 
don't get me wrong. I was just thinking this today. I feel like being a debut author is like a full-time job in itself because I, every moment in between, I'm doing admin work. I'm trying to reach out to local bookstores and like make connections. And and then I have like my morning job too. So it is very difficult. But, or and I guess I should say, I'm really grateful that it is a job I can do in the early hours on lunch at night. You know, it's not like I have to go somewhere to do it. It's not like, you know, you put a lot of money into it as far as time and maybe like some resources, but it isn't like I'm, you know, usually actively paying, especially before you get to the debut stage, um, because you should never pay an agent. Anyone's wondering, (laughs) don't do that. They take commission. So... It is difficult, and but on other days, I wonder if I was a full-time writer, I feel like maybe I would, like, really freak out, especially if I was having, like, writer's block or if, you know, sales were low or whatever. I, I'm a big safety net person, so I think a piece of me would always kind of want a job until I can't sustain both or I'm doing a disservice to one or the other by trying to do both. You mentioned how authors are paid obviously i don't want you to give up your own salary but let's if you don't mind walking us through it like so there's a there's a lump up front yeah so um it again this is like so specific from publisher to publisher and even imprint to imprint but in my experience and most people i know with traditional publishing um usually you sign your deal and it's for x amount of money and then the first chunk of that which for me was half i don't know if that's standard that gets paid up front um which is great but then the next chunk gets split up sometimes in the third sometimes in the fourths mine is kind of weird because it was for two books so it technically got split into like fifths slash sixths And those then have certain deadlines. So it'll be like when you submit your book and it's like ready for copy edits, which means you've done like the legwork for big revisions um, and edits. That usually means you get to take a step back. So a lot of authors will get a payment at that point. I think, you know, a lot of authors will sometimes get a payment like when their book finally comes out. And then I know some even like, there are some contracts that say you don't get your last payment until like six months later after the book comes out. So a lot of times your, you know, sum of money gets split up over two, maybe even three years. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that's why most of us have day jobs, at least for a while until you have a good steady stream of books contracted. Are wow. Um, hmm. As uh, uh, how long do you think you could you could keep the plate spinning, where you're like you're cranking out two books plus you're doing all the legwork of of promoting yourself and you're you're you said you were calling even local bookstores. That's a that's a lot uh, 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 onto itself, 
it seems like a lot to keep going at once. How long do you think you can you can grind through this? I'm not sure. I think there's a piece to me that's hopeful that like a lot of this is being a debut. Mm-hmm. And and I do think a lot of it is to an extent because I'm making these connections for the first time. I'm also going through like all the debut emotions for the first time and kind of finding my way, figuring out where I'm going. And also, again, it's my first time working with a publisher. So it's understanding like, okay, they take care of these things. These things are more left to me, Um, you know, figuring out who does what. And I, so I keep looking at like debut is kind of when I, I still want to kind of keep the heat on for the first, you know, couple months, because I think the book's out, so I should be promoting it while it's out. I think a common thing is people are so burnt out by the time their book comes out, and then, like, as soon as it's out, they feel bad. But I know that, like, uh, that's probably the time you should be doing everything, too. But I'm hopeful that, you know, once it's out for a bit, I can kind of step back, give myself breaks, give myself grace, and, you know, whenever I get on deadline again for book two i'll probably go into a cave for a little bit because i just need to work on that and worry about that but you know you kind of like a turtle you just pop in and out and up and down get a breath go back under (laughs) i don't see it really stopping ever but i think i'm okay with that i you know i don't mind as long as i get some breaks here or I'm happy to keep plugging away on social media, keep writing books, keep talking to people. I really love things like this where I get the chat. So I'm okay to keep doing it for as long as I can. As Rochester residents would have noticed, there was a a, a few different Rochester uh, references so far. Bishop Carney, Seabreeze, we're both from Rochester. What's your sense of the writing community in this area uh, uh, or lack thereof? I so far think it's really fantastic. And it's actually something I want to be more involved with. I think, you know, I've been so involved, like social media wise, and I have a lot of friends all over the world, really. But I'd love to get more grounded. In the Rochester community, I know we have um, Writers and Books, which actually put on the first like literary conference I ever went to back when I was in college. I think that is like a fantastic resource to have in our back pocket. And as an author, I've been met with a lot of kindness. Um, another chapter bookstore is in Fairport, and they reached out to me on social media. And, you know, same with um, Book Eater that just opened in the South Wedge. I think it's really cool to see how excited booksellers are to talk about books and to support local writers and local authors. And I think just the fact that we have such a strong indie presence and again, have writers and books and some really great libraries, um, that to me is just a huge positive. And I think something I love so much about Rochester is it's a very supportive community. And, you know, we see it with like restaurant scenes and, you know, small businesses. My mom is a small business owner, so I've kind of seen it my whole life. 
And I think, you know, writing community wise is just as strong. And I'm looking forward to getting more involved and continuing to meet bookstore owners and chat with other writers in the area. Well, Mackenzie Reed, this hour has flown by. It has. Any famous last words? I think just um, something in the Rosewood Hunt is a big theme of like friendship and figuring out where you belong, even if it's not with people that you think you usually belong with. So I think whatever journey people are on, whether they want to be a writer or whatever, you know, author, editor, wherever you are, I think, you know, just keep your mind open and try and find your people because having a community around you makes it much more bearable and fun. Well, Mackenzie Reed, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you. This was great. I love talking to you too. Remember the Rosewood Hunts out on Halloween from HarperCollins. Yes, and you can currently pre-order it. And I'll have a little pre-order campaign, too, with incentives. So feel free to keep an eye on my social media, which I'll be updating soon with that info. Yeah, yeah, before we go, give us your addresses. Yeah, I'm Mackenzie M. Reed all across the board. (laughs) So Instagram, Twitter, Reds now, I guess, and TikTok, where I talk the most about publishing. So if you're interested in traditional publishing and want to know more, that's kind of where you can check out my debut diary series, where I talk a lot about each week of this process. I just passed a year of posting videos in that um, playlist. And the Rosewood Hunt is available on all all major retailer websites, and you can actually get signed copies from the dog-eared book which is a small bookstore in Palmyra. thanks for listening to all of the above let me know what you think wherever you're listening and do me a favor share it with a friend you can follow my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com paid subscribers get access to bonuses including 10 the hard way our members only show you can reach me at james at rochesteraccent.com or jamesbrowntv at gmail.com. You can also leave me a message at 585-484-0339. We might have you on the show. I'm James Brown, and as always, be well. <laughs>